Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Security Now is provided by AOL Radio at AOL.com slash podcasting. This is Security Now with Steve Gibson, episode 123 for December 20th, 2007. Jungle Disc. Security Now is brought to you by Astaro, makers of the Astaro Security Gateway. On the web at www.astaro.com. And by Nerds on Site. Looking to grow your IT service business? Find out how Nerds on Site can help. Visit IWantToBeANerd.com. And by listeners like you. Thanks for your donations. It's time for Security Now. Here we are just a few days away from Christmas celebrating the holiday season. And most of the Twitch shows have gone dark and are quiet. And there's, you know, we put up the stockings by the chimney with care and not a mouse in the house. But, <laughs> but no, Steve Gibson... He's an animal. He says, I'm not missing a show, dag nabbit. So we'll do a show this week. We'll do a show next week. We'll even do a show the week after. We're doing a show while you and your family are in Egypt, Leo. We're, right now. Let's yep. see. I'm not. We're not there as we uh, as this airs, but we will in a few days. And so Very next cool. week's show, by then I'll be in Egypt. And, um, and the week after. I'm training Dane on how to post these. So <laughs> we'll, if it's late, it's not my fault. Again, I didn't do it. No, it'll all be fine. In fact, I think I can get wireless in uh, Cairo. The hotel we're staying at, I believe, has uh, has uh, wireless internet. So, so uh, happy holidays, first of all. Yes, to all of our listeners. Yeah, and to you too, Steve. And uh, um, I guess we should, we, coming up in just a little bit, we're going to talk to the guy who writes Jungle Disc. Dave, uh, tell me a little bit about that. It's Dave Wright. Uh, Dave Wright, W-R-I-G-H-T. Uh, it's funny, in, in their online forum postings, he goes by Jungle Dave. <laughs> I like that. And, uh, I, uh, you know, this is something I think that a questioner in one of our Q&A people brought to my attention, said, hey, what about Jungle Disk and, and the Amazon S3 service? Is it secure? And, uh, and well, I took a look at it. The best way to find it. out is to ask the guy who wrote it. Exactly. So yeah. we have him. We have him on the show today, uh, and he's going to answer all of our questions. We, uh, I'm sure, also have some errata before we get into uh, that. Some, some follow-ups, and in fact, the first one I know is <laughs> something that's been bugging me. Uh, but we'll talk about that, and then uh, I, we both now have our Kindles, and we'll talk a little bit about the Kindle. Oh, cool. Because um, uh, I, I, I now have some opinions. But before we get too far hey. in, in, let's let's mention our great friends at Astaro. Celebrating the holiday season with us once again. They've been here for over a year. Astaro is what you call a UTM and the best UTM. Astaro is a security gateway that does everything for your business. It's just a box about the size uh, of a router. Looks, just, in fact, you know, kind of you might look at it and the way it's connected and say, oh, it's a router. Oh, 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 oh no, my friends. Astaro does so much more. It is the best of breed in open source and commercial software covering all aspects of security. You get anti-spam. You get anti-phishing. You get dual spam protection for email. You even get things like transparent encryption. It supports SMIME and OpenPGP automatically. So your users are using encryption. They don't even know. They don't even have to worry about it. Of course, there's the usual uh, security you'd expect, firewall, remote, uh, or uh, intrusion protection. There's also uh, VPN 
an SSL VPN, which is very cool. You get IPsec, L2TP over IPsec, and PPTP tunneling with SSL. You also got, I'm throwing the the acronyms out here, baby. Uh, You also get uh, content filtering for the web. There's a, a, a separate antivirus to scan websites. That's actually, seems to be, I think, the new number one vector for getting bad guys on your system is, is actual web surfing. So it, it filters the websites even. You have anti-spyware, of course, and you can control what your users are doing, things like instant messaging and peer-to-peer uh, user uh, control. Really, really great stuff. Look, yeah, just try it. It's free to try in your business. You can get a demo unit by calling 877, the number 4, A-S-T-A-R-O. That's 877-427-8276. And non-commercial users... Home users could try it out on, you know, if you provide the hardware and it'll work on any beige box, it's basically Linux. Uh, you can get their special Astaro distribution. A couple of different ways. VMware has it, which is very cool. It's one of the VMware appliances. You can do that for free. Or go to astaro.com slash security now. And the license now on V7 includes Astaro up to date, all the subscriptions. So you get the antivirus updates, the spam updates, everything, as long as you're a non-commercial user. So that's very cool. A-S-T-A-R-O dot com. 877, the number four is Staro. Staro wishes you and yours a very happy holidays, and we're really happy to be a part of the Astaro family this holiday season. Thank you, Astaro. All right, so let's start by answering my question. <laughs> it's bugging me. I keep trying to vote for you, uh, your Kindle review. Uh, Leo, you and a large so body of our listeners. Oh, good. First of all, of course, I... I was, I don't know, I spaced out uh, last week and the week before because I, I was saying SNP URL, S-N-I-P-U-R-L slash S-K-R. I forgot to say SNPURL.com. Oh, well, everybody so that, knew that. So, well, I hope so. Yeah. Um, anyway, it turns out that you were exactly right when you were trying to do this when I was giving you that shortcut. Um, it must be that Amazon has some bot prevention uh, technology. So you can't go directly in. Exactly. Uh, and of course, we know from from our episodes about how the web works, that if you click on a link from within Amazon, there will be a referrer field in the query that says, hey, the user was on this page and clicked a link to come here. So it's trivial for them to to, for example, remove the voting buttons if you jump directly uh-huh. into Amazon rather than then click on links in Amazon to go here. They don't like deep linking, probably. That's probably what it is. Exactly. So a bunch of users wrote and said, hey, Steve, uh, love to vote for you, but Leo's right. There's no buttons. Mm -hmm. Well, enough people apparently, you know, poked around to, in fact, I know that Elaine is is one of them, our our wonderful transcriptionist. She really wanted to give you her vote. That's um, cute. <laughs> yeah, so, so I was back on like the fourth really, really long page back, and I thought I would never surface, but enough listeners uh, made the, 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 the trek in that I'm now on the, my review of the Kindle is now like the fifth one on the first oh, page. We're try- so, we should explain. The reason is there's so many reviews of the Kindle that aren't really very substantive. In fact, many of them by people who don't own Kindles. And so we've been just trying to get Steve's ranking up a little bit on the Amazon page so people can read a thoughtful, I think a very thoughtful review. Well, and Leo, most of them are by people who don't own a Kindle. They just think it's a bad idea. And it's right. like, okay, well, that's not a review. That's just sort of 
you know, an annoyed opinion. Right. Um, anyway, so well, most uh, reviews it, are annoyed opinions. Let's face it. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, so I did want to tell our listeners if anyone was confused, I, I'd, I'd still love to have people's vote just to kind of keep me in the running there with all the others, because again, the the, the reviews are generally long. And it, it does take some bit of slogging along still to get down to mine. So if uh, all, if anyone goes to the Kindle page, a link near the top of the page is, you know, read reviews. And then I'm, I don't know, I'm like the fifth or sixth one down. But again, if, if people uh, like what I wrote and would say, yes, we thought that was useful, uh, that would help to to keep me uh, up there in the rankings. So, so I, I got so I got my Kindle about a week ago. And I traveled with it. You know, I was gone uh, to New Haven for five days, and it was a really good time to to try it. Um, and um, you know, my my initial reaction is, if you're going to buy an ebook reader, it's certainly the one to get. There's just there's no question. It's easier. It's actually because of their choice of fonts. It's much easier to read. Yes, the fonts are much better, aren't they? Yeah, and you can get the font size bigger, which as a person over 40, I appreciate. Uh, and the wireless, as, as, as we've talked about, the wireless really does make it so much easier to put stuff on. I haven't ever hooked it up to a computer. I get a number of newspapers. And, and so for that reason alone, the $100 uh, differential between that and the Sony is, is well, I think, well worth it. Yep. But I think that there are also lots of people, a great many people, probably the vast majority of people who will never buy an ebook reader at least not until the e-ink technology improves and is, you know, crisper and so forth. Uh, those people aren't going to like it any more than they'd like the Sony. But I think it's certainly true if you're going to choose between the Sony and the Kindle, that the Kindle is far superior. I, I agree. I think, you know, certainly people who own prior generation e-books. I mean, if somebody already has a Sony, they'll, they'll probably be inclined to continue purchasing e- Sony e-book content. Right. Even though Sony has about only about a quarter of the number much more limited much more expensive and much more difficult to put on you need windows you need a usb connection Uh, right i just you know i for instance i was looking for a book on egypt i wanted to do some reading before we go to egypt Uh, i went i searched found several hundred volumes on egypt available through the kindle store Uh, you could search online you know and uh, i bought a book wasn't cheap. Now it's funny they have very expensive books on Egypt, I guess, and it was thirty five bucks, which was still cheaper than the the hardcover. The pyramids are, are, are those pointy things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. See, yeah. that's the problem. Is most of the books. Oh, that's the, oh another thing I want to say. I love that you can't do in the Sony stores. You can get samples, and so yes. instead of buying kind of sight unseen, I was able to get. I got samples of the top five books I was interested in. Read one, it was just so bad. I I, I was able to reject it, so I was able to pick the right one, and that saved me a lot of money right there. And if you're into the bestsellers, you could get you could before you go on a trip get samples of all of them, read them on the plane, and pick the ones you want to finish. The I think also you are able to have multiple Kindles associated with the same account. Oh, that's interesting. Yes, and so you're you're able to buy a book once and read it on multiple Kindles. Now, why they, would you do they, that? Well, you know, husband and wife might, you know, oh. it's, you know, I, I know a lot of couples who like, you know, hand books to each other. It's like, okay, I'm done with this here. You know, you want to read it. And so you, you're, you're unable to do that with, with the, um, periodical content. You have to, you have to individually associate those with individual readers because they don't want that to be shared, but book content, you explicitly can share well, among multiple Kindles. And that is one of the complaints, and I think rightly so, uh, although it's inevitable that people have is the, the, the copy protection on the Kindle. Um, you know, I mean, yeah. but you're gonna, there's no way a publisher's... <laughs> 
That's well, not a, that's not an Amazon issue. That's a publisher issue. Exactly. That's not going to go away. And and you know my the, the point I made uh, in my review was that you know I've already got copy protected content spread around. Um, I was a, an early adopter of the Moby Pocket format, which of course you know Amazon ended up buying as 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 part of their move into eBooks, and then and then Palm, and then Sony, and finally now Amazon. And my feeling is okay. There's sure this is this feels like a first generation device. The screen's going to get better. The the UI is going to get better. There'll be lots of things about it that improve over time. I mean that's been the history of eBooks, rocky as it's been. But if I'm going to be investing now in a format, it seems to me Amazon's going to win this. Yeah, I mean I already agree, yeah. right out of the gate. This is by this is the best eBook reader there is. I mean, I'll be honest, you know, the paperback is not going away um, nope. and I will I will still buy books. Um, so it's going to be more of the stuff that I read once and I don't want to have a copy of it. So I'm not really too worried about whether I'm going to be transferring stuff over to a new. You know, I have to say the cover stinks. They got to get a better cover. Yeah, the cover is <laughs> not good. That's the, the Sony covers. In fact, in general, the Sony design is much more elegant um, all, yep. all around. But uh, yeah. And- you know, I, I was thinking that uh, that I was forgiving the fact that there was a keyboard there because you end up holding it you have down to. in the keyboard There's area. There's nowhere else to hold it. it. <laughs> exactly, because if you hold it anywhere else, it changes pages on yeah. you. But then I like I've never used the keyboard. Well, maybe once or twice, but like it's the most un, un, underused aspect of it for me. I've used so it because I've searched for books and purchased okay. books that way. So you right. need you have to have it. Um, although I guess you could have some sort of kind of strange selection technique, but I, but I think you have to have it, and it is where you hold the, the darn thing. I've got to say though, Leo, the, the 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 thing, the comment you made early on, the reason that you made the decision to purchase was was the fact that you subscribe to a bunch of newspapers, and for me, I think the connectivity is very cool yeah. because the content is just there in the morning when, when you know you go off to coffee and you've got your newspapers and magazines and things. Um, one thing that is really cool that I, that that wireless allows. I'm so I'm reading along in a book, and uh, the guy says, "No more mute and glorious Milton's in quotes." And I'm going, "Boy, I know that quote, mute and glorious, but where could that be?" You you scroll to that part of this thing, you click the button. You search for it. It says search on Wikipedia, search on Google. I, I searched on Google, immediately found Thomas Gray's elegy written in a, a, a graveyard, which is that that's the poem it's from. Got the full text of the poem and was able to read it. And that is a very interesting addition to a reader. You can look up words. It's got a built in dictionary, but you can also go on the net and look it up on Wikipedia or even do a general Google search. And that kind of changes how I read. I mean, I think that's really great. Something you can't yeah. do. You can't do on a, uh, unless you're at home with your re- reference library. Yeah, it tr- I mean, it truly is connected. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, there, I, I know people sometimes, there's a small percentage of our audience goes, no more electronic book stuff. All right, we're going to talk about security. Don't worry. But I just thought we should, we should fill, uh, uh, finish that up since I have had one now. Um, um, Leo, uh, we just lost our bandwidth. Uh, I know. I don't know really what happened. French- you know, I think it's probably because I went to the Kindle site. That was my mistake. Ah, it's a very, so it'll, it'll get better in a second. You, you want to drop me and reconnect? You sound fine. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. You sound a little crunchy, but not, not, not badly. So. Okay, cool. Um, let's see. So I guess we should, oh, wait a minute. Any other, uh, errata, uh, errata and addenda? Uh, 
I have nothing else except I do have a really unique and interesting Spinrite story to share. Um, around the middle of last month, middle of November, Chris Wickersham wrote uh, an email saying, Spinrite saves the encrypted day. And he said, hey, Steve, I know you get a lot of emails detailing how Spinrite saved the day, but I thought my situation was unique enough that you might enjoy hearing my story. Well, you know, parenthetically, I love hearing everyone's story. So <laughs> as long as it's good about spin, right? Why not? Please keep them coming. Anyway, he says, I work for American Express, and we have an exclusive contract with IBM to do our desktop support. We all use ThinkPad laptops, and somewhat recently, to my great relief, our hard drives have been encrypted with a PGP tool. Oh, that's neat. This makes me feel much safer as it rides home with me every day after work. Well, after a long weekend of work, I booted the machine Monday morning to check my mail, and the unthinkable happened. Oh. Windows repeatedly blue-screened during the boot process, saying that it had an unmountable boot disk. I traced the problem to a driver that was corrupted on disk and was hoping that IBM would be able to replace the fouled driver and get me back up and running once I got into work. Unfortunately, I had not checked my work into CVS when I shut down Sunday night, so I was very anxious. Well, shock of all shocks, the tech guys at work were unable to repair the corrupted file on the drive because of the encryption. Oh, we've talked about this before because it's a big binary blob. It's exactly. I mean, it's not a file system. You can't, if it won't mount and boot, it's just, I mean, it's completely opaque. Anyway, so he says, worse than that, they had no way to mount the drive so I could recover my data because of the encryption. They used several tools to recover the drive, but to no avail. So I threw caution to the wind and asked if I could take the drive home and try Spinrite. Surprise! After about an hour, Spinrite recovered several damaged sectors, and my machine successfully booted into Windows. The big surprise is that they let him take his computer home and to work on it with Spinrite. Yeah. That's the he real said, surprise. I can't wait to tell them how well Spinrite worked, and I hope that this leads to another site license for you, right. as I can't imagine I will be the last person to lose some important information on an encrypted hard drive Take care and thank you for Spinrite. Uh, that's a nice story. Yeah. But uh, really important to remember if you encrypt it that you got to back up cuz you don't have any uh any any you can't there's no file recovery can happen. Exactly. Yeah, you're you're kind of in trouble. All right, we're going to uh, let's introduce Dave. He's ready to go and uh, right. he is David Wright is the author of uh Jungle Disk. Where are you uh, where are you calling from? I'm in uh, Atlanta. Great. Well, sounds very good. Steve's in Irvine. I'm in uh, Petaluma, Northern California. Yeah, we've had actually, you know, um, uh, David contacted me uh, after we first responded to um, so I think I don't know if it was a user question. I think it might yeah. have been driven by by a user who I said, hey, you know, uh, what's the story with Jungle Disk and the Amazon S3 service? And I took a, a first look at it and was was sort of from a cursory standpoint, I was impressed. And the the question I had that I had not answered for our listeners was whether it supported, you know, my, my acronym that I like is TNO for trust no one. Did it support a mode where it operated completely free of any sort of oversight, whether the, the data being stored on behalf of the jungle disk system 
was stored opaquely from Amazon's standpoint so that it was impossible for for them to decrypt it um, and so forth. And so David shot me back a piece of email and said, yes, it does support, you know, TNO. And uh, trust and so, no one. Trust no one. Exactly. And then we uh, since that time, we've had a, a bunch of of listeners sort of pretty much continuously a little, you know, constant flow in the background saying, hey, um, whatever happened with Jungle Disk, what's the story? So I thought we'd get Dave on and and talk to the man who put it all together. <laughs> so Jungle Disk is uh, uh, it's kind of like a shareware uh, deal, right? How exactly do you do it? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a pretty typical software model. There's a uh, free trial of the software available for 30 days. Uh, you still have to sign up for Amazon S3 account, um, but after 30 days, if you like the software, you can purchase it for 20 bucks. Um, it's a one-time purchase. Uh, we have free lifetime upgrades as well, so you're never going to have to worry about uh, getting the latest version. And for people who want to use S3 as kind of a backup uh, system, Jungle Disk just makes that completely straightforward and easy. Yeah, Jungle Disk has uh, a built-in automatic backup feature, so you can just tell it what files and directories you want to keep backed up. Um, but it also is fairly unique in that it exposes the S3 storage as a local drive letter or a, a mounted volume on Mac, uh, which allows you to use third-party backup software, too. So if you've got other backup or sync software that you prefer to use instead of the built-in functionality, uh, you're free to use that as well. Why would, well, I, and, why, why would I want to use a third-party uh, app? Um, well, you know, the built-in automatic backup is probably sufficient for 90 or 95 percent of our users, but some users have very specific backup requirements in terms of what they want to backup, when they want to backup, either very advanced scheduling uh, or just finer control over what they're backing up than the built-in automatic backup provides. Um, but we find that... Yeah, I'm Go sorry. I was, was going to say, I, I'm actually a really good example of that. Cause, as, and we were talking about this just the, the other week, Leo. I use something called FileBack PC, which, which is a very sophisticated backup tool that, that allows you know, all kinds of wildcard expressions and like bizarre limitations on, on the, the, the minimum and maximum rate at which files can be backed up. It allows you to do versioning and multiple versions and things. So, so basically, I could just aim my existing tool that I'm already aware of and I own and I'm comfortable with at, at a jungle disk volume, and these things then go to Amazon rather than being stored on, on another drive locally. And Amazon, and, and junk, the nice thing about uh, Amazon storage is it's very inexpensive. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's extremely cost-effective. The, the basic rate is uh, $0.15 cents per gigabyte per month, which is very inexpensive. Now, they do have additional fees based on the amount that you upload and download. Um, but over the long run, your, the bulk of your cost is going to be your monthly storage fees because that's what you're having to pay each month. Um, and at only $0.15 cents per gigabyte, most jungle disk users are only paying, you know, a couple bucks, one, two, three dollars a month for the actual storage that they're using. So uh, it's it's pretty cost effective. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, now that's it, it's also multi-platform. You've got Windows support and Mac support and Linux support, um, and then additionally, you're able to run this, and which I think is very cool, from a USB device so that it's it runs in a no install sort of mode. So literally, if you had a little USB you know, dongle, you can carry that around with you. You stick it into any machine. It's able to connect through that machine's internet connection to Amazon, and you have then access. You basically have, have secure roaming access to, you know, your whole archive of data stored by Amazon. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's something that we got quite a few requests from for people that wanted to use 
the software remotely without having to install it or keep any files on that local machine. They can just bring it, bring their USB keychain, plug it in. It's got their configuration already on it. It's got their encryption keys already on that keychain. Uh, fire it up, copy down the files they need, upload any new files they need, pull the keychain out, and it's all gone from the machine. So, okay, you, you have a 30-day trial. Now, right now, you're calling it an introductory offer for $20 that allows you, you know, essentially lifetime use of this. Um, what's the model? Is, is there a deal with S3 where you get a, a, a piece of, of Amazon's action? Uh, no, 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 not right now. Uh, the user pays Amazon monthly for that service, and that money goes to Amazon and, and pays to keep the service running. Um, you know, our model is pretty straightforward. We're selling the software, and we're able to have the rate uh, that low just because this is a this is a mass market product. This is something that at least we think everybody needs on their computer. Everybody needs to be doing backup, and online backup is is really the way to go these days. So we've got a huge target audience that we're looking to sell into, and we don't want to limit ourselves by pricing it, you know, at fifty or a hundred bucks or something like that. We want to make it as easy as possible for people to sign up, download it. Uh, and start using it right away. Very cool. So, so really, the the mean so 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 the motive for you was you you saw the service that Amazon was providing and and said, hey, you know, we can write a really cool and unique front end to the Amazon S3 service, which is is not itself a turnkey end user sort of consumer level service. It, it's always meant to be a back end data storage solution and that it needs other front ends like jungle disk in order to to actually you know make it make it useful for end users yeah i mean a lot of people ask well you know if i'm signing up with amazon then why do i need jungle disk at all and and the answer is that like you say there's no front end amazon s3 you can't go to a web an amazon s3 website and browse your files or upload files and amazon doesn't provide any software for it yourself so you have to use a third-party application like Jungle Disk to get access to uh, to S3, and and Jungle Disk is even fairly unique in that area. A lot of other companies are using S3 as backend storage for their file sharing or backup or or whatever company, but they don't actually allow you to have your own Amazon account and have control over your own data on Amazon. Uh, Jungle Disk is fairly unique in that respect, at least among the the commercial software, because even though um, you know you're you're buying this commercial piece of software you still have your own Amazon S3 account. You still have complete control over your data, and our company doesn't see or have access to your data at all. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I have to say, I mean, I've, I've spent a lot of time now going over your website, reading the FAQ, looking at the instructions. Um, I've got it installed on several of, of my machines, and that's one of the other nice things that, that you explicitly allow is one copy, one registered copy of Jungle Disk can be used on a single individual's different machines and give them then sort of like centralized access to this repository in the sky, which Amazon maintains. Amazon's is, is storing things redundantly within their own network, uh, which is obviously robustly connected to the internet. Right. I mean, that's, that's something we heard pretty strongly from users is that this is, they wanted to use the software on many machines, home machines, work machines, laptop machines, um, and so it really didn't make sense to to try to sell the the software on a per machine basis. Some of our users would have to buy five, six, seven copies. So we just said, look, you know, we're going to make it as simple as possible. Buy one copy, put it on as many machines as you want. Um, you know, it can only be used with your Amazon S3 account. So if your buddy wants the software, he's going to have to buy it himself. 
Um, but we don't try to limit them on what machines they can put it on or even what platforms. Uh, when you buy it, you get all three platforms. So if you've got Mac and Windows machines and you want to share files between them, this is, uh, this is certainly a good way to do it. Now, um, in use, there is a little contact by the Jungle Disk client back to you guys. What's that about? Uh, well, you know, on, on startup, we have a typical um, automatic update check. It reports to us the version and, and uh, yeah, some information about the client so that we know, you know, who's using the software. And, and for the trial users, we know when their trial period is up. Once you've purchased the software, though, you have the option to turn that off completely. So if you're one of those super paranoid people that doesn't, you know, want the uh, software talking to anybody but Amazon, you can, you can certainly do that. Um, we recommend users keep it enabled because it does provide um, update notifications um, which which can certainly be important for software like this if, uh, you know, some kind of security issue was discovered. We don't want people to be able to find out about it. So um, we do provide the option to turn that off, though. That sounds cool. I mean, it's, it's, it's everything that I know that our listeners want. Sure. I have I use Chronosync, so, and uh, I'll probably uh, use your program, too, Steve, on my PC. So that sounds like I've, I've been trying to figure out a good way to get this working with S3. Also trying to get it to work for my web server because it would be really nice to back up uh, web server stuff to, uh, to S3. Yeah, we've got, uh, you know, we've got a few people already that are using it on servers, and it's, it's not really uh, targeted towards that market right now. It's really designed to be a desktop consumer product, but um, you know, there's a lot of people that are interested in using it in offices or in servers too. So um, you, know, you can certainly use this current version of the software in that space, but we're probably going to be developing some uh, additional editions of the software that's more directly targeted oh. towards uh, server platforms, for example, in the future. That'd be great. Well, and spe- speaking of servers, I know that uh, Leo, you and Paul have been talking a lot about Windows Home Server, right. and and Paul's a big fan of that. Um, and there is a version of Jungle Disk specifically for Windows Home Server. What? H- how does that differ, and and how does that operate, Dave? Yeah, that's right. We, uh, in conjunction with a contest that Microsoft was running earlier this year we developed an add-in for Windows Home Server that's, uh, uh, that's based on the same technology as Jungle Disk, but it is, a, it is a separate product, and it does work a little bit differently. Uh, but basically what it allows you to do is install uh, this Jungle Disk for Windows Home Server directly on your home server machine and select which files on your home server machine you want to have backed up online. And from there, it takes care of it um, automatically. It just keeps everything backed up that you've selected on your home server. And if you ever need to restore it because your home server crashes or because, um, you know, you accidentally delete something, you can use the Windows Home Server console to select the files and restore it directly back to the Windows Home Server box. Uh, So that edition of the software is in beta right now. There's actually a free beta version of it people can download from our website. Um, And so far, the response for it's been very good. We actually came in second in the Microsoft contest, so that was exciting. Um, but the Windows Home Server audience is obviously very interested in data protection, and this really just uh, increases the level of security that you get by backing up your important files off-site. Well, Paul must have seen it. He was a judge in that uh, Home Server contest, so hey, I'm sure yeah, he voted yeah, for Paul you. Yeah, Paul was. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he voted for you. Very cool. Very neat. It's, it, you know, and, and Amazon's to be praised for not only providing the service but providing uh, APIs that developers like you could uh, hook into. Was it pretty easy to write this software? Uh, well, you know, the initial version, um, you know, it took a little bit of time to get together because, uh, you know, Amazon built it as a very generic service. They right. didn't build a lot of the things that would be very handy for a backup service. Um, but because it's a generic platform and they want it to be used a lot of different ways, they provide a very sparse API. Uh, so we've had to build a lot of functionality around it to um, to get it to work well for, for customers. Are so, they using like, WebDev or are they doing something else? 
No, they have a proprietary REST API, and they also have a uh, SOAP API available. Okay. Uh, now, one of the secrets to Jungle Disk in terms of how it actually works is that it exposes a local web dev server uh, and proxies and changes that, that request into a proprietary S3 oh, request. So on your local machine, and this is the way the drive mapping works, uh, it actually exposes a little web dev server uh, so that your local operating system can talk to it over WebDAV, and then it translates that request into the proprietary S3 API. So that's how you do it. That's very clever. Yeah, mm-hmm. a, a a perfect example of the I think of the sparsity is is for example the way Jungle Disk handles file renaming. Yeah, for example, Amazon S3 doesn't uh, have built-in support for renaming files, which would seem really simple. But again, in the in their design. Uh, they wanted it to be a bulk object storage oriented uh, interface, and so they didn't provide a way to rename objects. And so what we've done is uh, we've made use of another service offered by Amazon, which is called EC2, uh, which is a, a virtual hosting service that allows you to host servers within Amazon data centers. Uh, we've made use of EC2 to build functionality that allows you to rename files without pulling them down to your machine and re-uploading them back to Amazon um, and so it does it in a fast and, and secure way directly on the Amazon network. And I guess really the last thing to talk about, well, I don't know the last thing to talk about, but, but, but really the, the genesis of, of this whole question of, of trust no one is the way, the way Jungle Disk works with the, the sort of the, the keys you always have when you work with Amazon and then the ability to create your your own sort of pre-Amazon encryption, which is completely separate from from anything Amazon has has any knowledge of. Yeah, that's right. So Amazon provides you know pretty typical uh, authentication through a secret key that uh, you know is shared between you and them, and that's used to authenticate access to your account, prevent anybody else from getting access to your files. Uh, but then on top of that, Jungle Disk layers its uh, own encryption. Uh, that takes place on the client. So Amazon never sees the unencrypted content at all. The encryption takes place on the client. You can select a custom key, anything you want. Um, it's 256-bit AES encryption, so it's extremely secure. Uh, the encrypted content gets uploaded to Amazon, and when you need to pull a file back, it pulls the encrypted data back from Amazon and decrypts it locally with your key. And if you don't have the key, you don't get the files. Do you think that Amazon themselves uses the user's key to encrypt the data when it's stored statically at their end? Or do they just like just store whatever you give them and make no attempt to to protect it from like people over on their side? You know, they don't really say a lot about uh, the internals of how the service works and whether they encrypt it or, or, or not. Um, one of the things I certainly know about it is that they use a very proprietary um, back-end and, and storage system for this. So it's not like they're just dumping it on a file server that somebody, even at Amazon, could go browse around. It's stored in a very, um, you know, unique, uh, you know, proprietary format. So, you know, I don't know whether they layer encryption on top of that or not, but we always tell users if you're concerned about, you know, that type of privacy for your data, you know, then you definitely need to encrypt it on your client before it goes up because that's the only way you can have uh, complete confidence in the security. Right, and then and then I also like the way you guys have handled the the issue of key migration. That is, if you have a bunch of content already encrypted up on Amazon, and for whatever reason you decide you want to change the key, the problem is, of course, that that prior content has been encrypted with your first key. Now you want to go to a second key. Um, you you put a little header and and some metadata on the front of each file to identify which of the user's keys 
was um, was used for encryption without actually having the key there. So nothing in the metadata at the top of the file allows anyone to decrypt it. However, it allows Jungle, jungle Disk to to still be able to access old co- uh, content encrypted with a prior key, so long as you have you've you've left that key in a list of keys that Jungle Disk has access to. Yeah, exactly. We we basically allow you to change your key anytime you want, but again, because the encrypted content is already stored at Amazon, unless you want to re-upload your file to re-encrypt it with a different key, um, you know, we need to keep a list of your previous keys so that if you ever go access that uh, content that was encrypted with an older key, uh, it can still be accessed, and we keep track of the key that's used for each file uh, in a special metadata section that Amazon provides, uh, and that lets us know how to decrypt the file when it comes back, but it's done in such a way that's uh, that's secure and that it doesn't tell anybody anything about which key was used for which file, and, and they don't know anything about the keys. Right. Well, I, I just love it. I think it's a, you know, it answers, I, I think, a, a huge need, especially as people become more mobile. I like the idea, for, for me, not only of being able to back things up, but but to keep copies of files that I'm working on that are that are like, you know, ongoing references. Like I, I run my life on outlines. And so to be able to be able to put the outlines there and, and keep them synchronized so that I'm not having to manually synchronize my various machines. I mean, it's just a, it's a really cool solution. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's, that's really what our, you know, customers are saying. Everybody's been talking for a long time about storage moving into the cloud and, you know, there's been a lot of issues around that, specifically around trust. And so that's one of the big things we've tried to address, uh, both on the back end by having Amazon manage the back end as a large trusted company that you know isn't going to disappear tomorrow or run off with your data, um, but then also address the security on the client side with the encryption so that you know that uh, nobody, even Amazon, is able to actually access and see your data. It's completely under your control. And I think that those two things together are what are finally enabling people to say, you know what, I finally can trust to put some of my important data on the net and access it, you know, wherever I travel. That's cool. Jungle Disk is uh, free for 30 days, $20 for a lifetime uh, license. You can get it from jungledisk.com. And, of course, Amazon S3 is an additional charge, 15 cents per gigabyte uh, of storage per month, but it ends up being very, very affordable. Um, and, and yeah, great place to have it in the cloud. There are, of course, you know, package solutions like uh, Mosey and Carbonite, um, that are easier probably for people to use, but not as affordable by any means. Thank you so much, Dave. All right. Well, thank you very much. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, Dave. That's Dave Wright from uh, Jungle Disk. I'm really glad we covered this, Leo. With that, uh, as I've said a couple times, uh, I've had a constant stream of, of, of our listeners sort of pinging me every few weeks saying, hey, Steve, um, you know, you were going to check in on the trust no one operation. And, and I've got to say, I mean, I, you know, you get a feel for things as you use them. And, and I really got, I have a, I have a, a really good feel about this. To me, it's the, the, the operation of the tool is very transparent. Mm-hmm. You know, their motivation is very transparent. Um, they even provide an open source, um, uh, a set of files that dem- that shows how they access Amazon and and although you know you, you, for, for twenty dollars I don't think there's anyone who's gonna gonna go develop their own 
client, you know, copying Jungle Disk, and it doesn't have all the features that their client does. But but they're, I mean, the whole thing feels, you know, just solid and 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 open, and it's just it's done right. So yeah. I, I you know I uh, uh, as as a, as a solution for what this is, that is the idea of being able to to use Amazon's S3 service um, in, in a in a very, very trust-no-one secure fashion, um, Jungle Disk does it. It's neat. It's really neat. Uh, it's, it, again, I think it's cool that Amazon uh, does a, a API, and it's not a very, as he said, it's not a very sophisticated API. It's basically just using existing uh, technologies like uh, REST and SOAP. Yep. Um, which, But a lot of programmers know how to interface with REST and SOAP, and so... Um, you kind of guarantee that's it's a little bit of lowest common denominator, but at the same time, you're you're kind of guaranteeing people are going to be able to figure it out, which is obviously important to let uh, this kind of thing happen. Um, before we wrap this up, I should probably mention some people called nerds. You know, I, I mentioned uh, last week. I said the I said the f word, and <laughs> and I want to correct myself because uh, that is not they are not a franchise. In fact. Um, uh, somebody sent me, I mentioned, somebody sent me a, a description of what Nerds on Site is that was much better than mine, but I, of course, misplaced it. Let me see if I still have it around here. I guess the key is, look, if you're, if you're in IT, if you're, if you're helping people with technology, PC or Mac or Cisco or Oracle, if you're a fix-it technician or a website designer or programmer, project manager, even if you're in sales or you're doing training, if you're a nerd then Nerds on Site can help you build your business, build your skills, uh, market. Uh, they, they're just really great about that. They're, now, they're all over the world. They started in Canada. They've spread now to because it's a great idea to U.S., Mexico, England. Uh, they're in Australia, South Africa, Bolivia. Singapore is their newest place. And there are a couple of benefits you get as a, uh, as a, nerds on, uh, as a Nerd on Site. For instance, uh, you get training. They have a they call it uh, their University of Nerdology with 250 competencies. Everything from systems architecture to design to software development, on-site IT, desktop support, Soho and residential IT services. So you you know you can really polish your skills. If a problem comes up you can't solve, you can call on other nerds to help you. And that really is nice to be part of that larger nerd community. They also want, uh, because we talk about Astaro all the time, they want you to know that they are an authorized Astaro solution provider. That's just one. They, they do a full line of UTMs. Um, that means all Astaro products and services are available through Nerds on site, and you get free Astaro certified administrator or Astaro certified engineer training as a nerd. So that's very, very cool. There's a lot of benefits. It goes on and on. And by the way, the Nerds on site worldwide team is also working together to deliver the best in tech to their small and medium enterprise clients. So if you're an enterprise nerd, don't, don't feel left out. For more info on becoming part of the Nerds on Site team, you just go to IWantToBeANerd.com. Find out about a nerds-only meeting in your area. Lots of information on the site, too. IWantToBeANerd.com. Great people and a really neat business. Nerds on Site. Highly recommended. Uh, let me see. I have a high recommendation for a website that I know called GRC.com. If you are a happy listener and you're looking for transcripts if you're looking for 16 kilobit versions if you're looking for more information about security that's the place to go and of course spin rights there too and all of steve's stuff uh, the free stuff too like shields up and shoot the messenger and decombobulator and ppp and wismo and all that 
grc.com and grc.com slash security now for our show notes. Um, there's also a great security forum there. And feedback is there too. Is it grc.com slash feedback? That's exactly what it is. And I really want to encourage people to keep the feedback coming. It helps us steer the show and tells us what you're interested in, in hearing about. Um, many people have said, hey, you know, uh, you guys used to do more of sort of like current events in security. A little more on like what happened in security this week. We can and, do that. We can and do that. I, I'm going to make a New Year's resolution uh, for security now. As we start into 08, um, I'm going to return us more, uh, well, a little bit to that, to just to, to, to sort of to touch in and, and check in and and make sure that our users know of anything important that happened during the week in security. Good idea. <laughs> and so after all, as someone did write, they said, you know, it's called security now. It's like, uh, uh, good point. Well, I don't know if that means what's happening in security now. It means just be secure right now. <laughs> it doesn't that necessarily too. mean security current events. It's, it's, it could be a lot of different things. But we, yeah, sure. Of course. Whatever you want. That's the point. Securitynow.com slash feedback. And uh, well, I want to remind everybody that we've got those great uh, twit discounts on uh, Scott Evest now. I know uh, we're, all, we're all Scott Evest wearers. And uh, if you want to uh, give a gift for a geek, there's nothing better than a Scott Evest. Any gear on the site, scottevest.com, on checkout, use my name, Leo, as a promo code. You get 20% off right off the top. This doesn't include uh, Scott Evest material on ThinkGeek. That's a separate system. But on uh, the Scott Evest site, and uh, Scott called and said, uh, apologies that we're selling them out like hotcakes. Those fleece, uh, the, the, I think the hoodies and the fleeces, they're back ordered, and you may not get it by Christmas. In fact, I don't think you will. It's too late to get it by Christmas time. But just check the site; they'll let you know what you can uh, get before uh, in time for the holidays. But what a great! I wanted to give you a couple last chance, I guess, to take advantage of this uh, at scottyvest.com. Use my name, Leo, for the coupon code at the end to save twenty percent. And we thank Scott too for his support of uh, the shows and the Twit Network, and for all his great stuff that I wear all the time. Steve, next week we'll do a, a Q&A session. Speaking of feedback. Yep. yep. Uh, that'll be our kind of mid post-Christmas, pre-New Year's episode. So we'll see you then next Thursday, folks. Have a great Christmas, a great holiday, Steve. I hope you enjoy uh, your time. I was going to say time off. Your, whatever it is you do, I don't, you don't take time off. So I hope you enjoy the week. And uh, we'll talk again next week. Bye, though. Security now.